0: Welcome to Unlocking the Truth, a podcast where we discover God's truth for ourselves by studying His Word. David and Kay Arthur are coming to Brantford, Ontario this September. We want to invite you to join us at Central Baptist Church on September 6th and 7th for a two-day conference that you won't want to miss. David and Kay will be bringing a timely message on holding fast through suffering and trials using the book of 1 Peter. Registration is open and tickets are going fast. The cost for this conference is only $79 and with a limited number of seats available, you will want to register soon. Register online on our website or by calling our office at 877-234-2030. Has your life been changed by inductive Bible study? Why not invite someone to learn the inductive method by taking part in one of our many workshops happening across Canada? Interested in hosting a workshop in your church? Contact our events team today by emailing training at preceptministries.ca and bring the transforming power of God's word to your community. In February, we launched our Thrive Building Campaign to help meet the financial needs of this new building that God has blessed us with. Would you prayerfully consider partnering with us? You can find out more information about the Thrive building campaign, as well as watch a video tour of our new facility by visiting us online at www.preceptministries.ca/thrive. Coming up on July 15th to 20th, we will be having our summer study week here in Brantford, Ontario. Whether you're interested in learning the essentials of inductive Bible study or learning how to lead a Bible study class, there's a workshop for everyone. Check out all the different workshops happening that week on our website, www.preceptministries.ca, and sign up today. To stay up to date with everything happening at the ministry, visit us online on our website or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram now stay tuned for episode 10 of the covenant podcast
1: hello everyone it's Mark Sheldrake here with Derek Kamink and this is unlocking the truth podcast covenant podcast we have almost completed 11 weeks we have one more week left
2: yeah we're just getting to getting to the end the good stuff
1: sort of our season finale mm-hmm. coming up soon yeah many of us uh, will take breaks over the summer
2: yeah
1: and uh, hopefully uh, Those who are listening will have opportunity to get out in the sun, Mm -hmm. enjoy the Canadian weather.
2: You can go back and listen to all the podcasts all over the summer.
1: Absolutely. I'm really looking forward to, and I'm going to plug September Mm -hmm. before we get started, because in September, we are going to uh, go through a number of weeks in the book of Hebrews, Mm -hmm. and I can't wait. To dig into Hebrews. We'll be in a little bit of Hebrews today, yeah. But I really feel like there's two books in the Bible in the New Testament that anytime you are in discussion of scripture, mm-hmm. you're always leading back to Romans, yeah, or Hebrews, yeah. And so, looking forward to uh, getting into some doctrine
2: mm-hmm.
1: in Hebrews as well as looking at uh, Jesus. Uh, the Son of God even closer. Yeah. So hopefully you'll tune in with us, and that will launch after the Hold Fast Ontario conference. Mm-hmm. So we'll have David and Kay here in Brantford, Ontario, uh, and you you haven't registered for that yet. You want to get registered. You better get on it. Almost 70%, <clears throat> over 70% That's right. sold out now. So it's really a great opportunity to uh, come in at that concert, but Unlocking the Truth will... Um, launch after the conference. All right, let's pray and then we'll dig into God's Word. Father, we do thank you for uh, this day again that you've given us. We thank you for the technology that we have that we can record podcasts and it can go over the internet and people all across Canada can listen to uh, what uh, is coming from your Word. So Father, as we uh, begin to wrap up covenant and we look at the new covenant today, we pray that uh, you would bless our conversation that uh, we would learn uh, more and more uh, through your Word and through your through study of it, Lord. So we give you this time now in your name we pray, Amen. Amen. So this is one week, Derek, where I feel like we're not going back to Abraham. Right. <clears throat> I mean, we'll, we'll leave him alone for a little bit. We don't have to go back to Abraham yeah. at this time, but I thought it would be really good to create a context for where uh, we're coming in the life of. Israel. Mm-hmm. So, we know that God had uh, a covenant with Abraham. We know that God uh, made an everlasting covenant with him. That that covenant, as we've talked about, has passed through the descendants, and eventually the covenant was with Israel, mm-hmm. and then the old covenant or the law, which was a conditional covenant, that uh, the Israelites. You remember when they were with Moses, they put blood on the tablets and blood on themselves, yeah. and. They promised to keep those commandments. They could not keep those commandments. And then uh, we have a number of prophets who get involved in in teaching and calling the um, Israelites to return. We know that in the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar uh, came and he took Israel captive in three sieges. uh, And they were going to be captive for 70 years Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the 70 years, God promised that he would remove them and take them out of captivity. And that kind of point of taking the Israelites out of captivity leads to this promise of the new covenant that really was started back in Genesis with Abraham when the promise of the seed would come. So now we get to the book of Jeremiah, who Jeremiah prophesied during the time of Nebuchadnezzar Mm -hmm. and even him and Ezekiel were around the same time frame. But we wanted to kind of set the stage of this new covenant following through in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah 32 verses 37 to 44. So why don't you read that, Derek, and let's see what uh, Jeremiah wrote the message from God.
2: So Jeremiah says, Behold... I will gather them out of all the lands to which I have driven them in my anger, in my wrath, and in great indignation. I will bring them back to this place and make them dwell in safety. They shall be my people, and I will be their God. I will give them one heart and one way that they may fear me always for their own good and for the good of their children after them. I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from them to do them good. And I will put the fear of me in their hearts so that they will not turn away from me. I will rejoice over them to do them good and will faithfully plant them in this land with all my heart and with all my soul. For thus says the Lord, just as I brought all this great disaster on this people, so I'm going to bring them all the good that I am promising them. Fields will be bought in this land of which you say, it is a desolation without man or beast. It is given into the hand of the Chaldeans. Men will buy fields for money, sign and seal deeds, and call in witnesses in the land of Benjamin, in the environs of Jerusalem, in the cities of Judah, in the cities of the hill country, in the cities of the lowland, in the cities of the Negev, for I will restore their fortunes, declares the Lord.
1: So we've got the Israelites, and they've been removed from their land, and Nebuchadnezzar has, you know, destroyed everything and taking it over and so now you've got the israelites in babylon and and you know the famous passage in the book of jeremiah is the one that everybody refers to Mm -hmm. when they're talking about um you know personal life i it's one of those verses that uh is used at a context very often and uh i tell people in workshops all the time i have this book called 21 most Misused verse by Bible verses yeah. in the Bible and Jeremiah 29 11 is in there mm-hmm. for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord and you know what he's telling them is while you're in captivity he's like build your houses plant your gardens because yeah. you're going to be here a while mm-hmm. you can you know continue your life but when you at the end of the 70 years what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring you back to that land mm-hmm that I promised way back with Abraham. And then you're going to have that land. You're going to be in that land. It's going to be your land. And the one thing that stands out in this Jeremiah passage for me is very clear. It's in verse 40 when God says he's going to make a certain type of covenant with his people. And it's not um, a conditional covenant. It's not a covenant that... Uh, expires mm-hmm. you know it's not a lease on the land it's an everlasting covenant yeah with him and with god and his people and he's going to cause them to turn their hearts towards him which is a significant point because knowing that the reason they're in captivity was because their hearts were turned against god and so god's going to turn them Around.
2: Yeah, it's an it's an incredible promise that God gives these people uh, who certainly don't deserve it, who turned from Him and and are now reaping the the you know sort of the consequences of turning their hearts away from God. Uh, God allows them to be taken and removed from the land, uh, and through Jeremiah brings this incredible promise of uh, a promise of return uh, and reestablishing uh, Him as their God and them and as His people, um, but with. All of it is is about for their good. That was over and over again. It was for their good, for their good, um, and it's not. He's not asking them to turn their hearts towards him. He says that I will turn your hearts towards me, and so God is going to do the work in this in this new covenant uh, to to correct the the sinful hearts of these people.
1: Yeah, so this is a God-initiated covenant, <clears throat> and we've looked at covenants initiated by God. We've looked at covenants initiated by man to man. Mm-hmm. We've And uh, now we're back to this big covenant initiated by God. Ezekiel chapter 36, a parallel, very similar passage to what we've just read in Jeremiah. But what he does is he, he explains what this new covenant is going to look like. He says, Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I'll remove the heart of stone from... From your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will be careful to observe my ordinances. You will live in the land that I give you gave to your forefathers, so you will be my people, and I will be your God. Moreover, I will save you from your uncleann- uncleanness, and I will call for the grain and multiply it, and I will not bring. A famine on you. And so, all of these blessings and promises that come along with this, but what we pull out of Ezekiel is a promise of a new heart, Mm -hmm. a heart that's transformed. It's a different heart. He's going to take that heart of stone, Mm -hmm. you know, that's that similarity to, you know, the tablets and the law being on the tablets. He's going to take that away and he's going to put the law within our hearts. And then he's also going to give us his spirit uh, who will be within us and he will walk with us and he will teach us how to uh, take on the ordinances and how to walk in obedience to the Lord. And in the gospel of John, Jesus refers to the spirit as the helper, you know, when the helper comes. Uh, So the promise is a new heart, a heart that the law will be written on it. And His Spirit will be within us. Yeah. And I thought it would be an important point to point out here that we've been down this road already in the podcast, but it, it's been a number of weeks, and I thought it would be good to bring it back, is um, we have this clear distinction in in some churches today, and I'm not going to name, mm-hmm. name churches, but you've got this idea where the majority of uh scripture that's being taught is new testament only Mm -hmm. we never really look to the old testament we never put it all together like this running story that we've got of covenant starting in the book of genesis and really coming all together uh right in uh revelation Mm -hmm. you've got this one flow of thought all the way through the god the promises of god and the people's response to to these but here god's got this everlasting covenant but we've what we've talked about before is we've talked about the fact that uh, some believe that these, this Old Covenant and this New Covenant are completely separate from right. each other. Yeah, That the Old Covenant is just the mm-hmm. Old Testament stuff, and we don't have to worry about the Old Covenant anymore, and we don't have to worry about what happened from... You know, Genesis to Malachi, yeah. it, it, that's all old school. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't need to be there anymore. But now we just need to focus on the Gospels, the letters, and Revelation. Mm-hmm. Because that's where uh, the New Covenant's talked about. And therefore, the New Covenant uh, holds a higher priority. But most importantly, you know, it's it's for Gentiles. Right.
2: Well, and it, and it, it includes everybody. And it only came into being um, when Jesus was here um <clears throat> But what we look, what we're seeing is that that the New covenant was talked about as a covenant that was initially with the Israelite people when they were returning uh, back to Canaan from, uh, from their exile. Uh, and so to say that the New covenant only started in the Gospels um, you know goes against what we're seeing here in the word in Jeremiah and in Ezekiel, that God says, "I'm going to bring you back home and we are going to start." fresh, and I'm going to change your hearts and change your minds, and you're going to, um, you know, you're going to be able to follow me because of what I'm going to be able to do for you.
1: And the new covenant is a very much different covenant. Mm -hmm. I think in our final week of the podcast on covenant, we'll look at all the covenants all together, and we'll compare what are the major differences in the covenants, but we want to lay out what this new covenant Mm -hmm. is. And Uh, Paul, in the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 16, says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, uh, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Mm -hmm. And so it's a covenant that is an everlasting covenant, And it's for all. It's for all, as we've seen here, all who believe, doesn't matter whether you're Jewish, doesn't matter whether you're a Gentile, Mm -hmm. it's for everyone. And so we want to lay out now, what does that covenant uh, look like and how they all come together? Mm -hmm. And so if it's first to the Jew and then to the Greek, I think about the book of Acts. Mm -hmm. And I think about how um, the gospel, Jesus' gospel went forward and you know, Peter preached it not only to the Jewish people, but he also preached it to Cornelius who was a Gentile and, and they received it. Paul talks about it in Romans chapter 11 and uh, verse 17 about how Jew and Gentile come together um, to receive and be a part of this same covenant.
2: Yeah, so in, in chapter 11 he says, but if some of the branches were broken off, And you, being a wild olive, were grafted in among them, and became partaker with them of the rich root of the olive tree. Do not be arrogant toward the branches, but if you are arrogant, remember that it is not you who supports the root, but the root supports you. Uh, You will say then, branches were broken off so that I might be grafted in. Quite right. They were broken off for their unbelief, but you stand by your faith, do not be conceited, but fear for if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. So we have a really nice picture here that that really does sort of explain how uh, the old covenant and the new covenant are working together um, and also how uh, the Gentiles are being brought into this new covenant. You see, it's not a brand new tree that is created for Gentiles. Uh, God in his wisdom and in his mercy is including the Gentiles in the new covenant that He has already established with the Jewish people um, that we read about in uh, in Jeremiah and in Ezekiel that was brought through through Christ, um, and what we see here is that yes, um, there were some that were that were broken off because of their sin, it, and it serves as a warning for us who have been grafted in that uh, that we need to live lives that follow the. Covenant that follow uh, what we what we have agreed to, so that we're not going to be cut off from this new covenant. Um, but the picture is one of a grafting into something that is already established, not uh, not starting from
1: scratch and not starting new. It's interesting because um, one thing that I've uh, seen that gives a good example of this being grafted in is uh, in the medical world. Mm. Now, let me pause for a moment because I'm not a doctor. (laughs) I may not get terminology right. One time I was preaching a sermon on um, the very fact that, uh, you know, you're kind of chewing cud, you know, like a cow. And I said something like, a cow has six stomachs. But I said it in a rural church with oh, a number yeah. of farmers. And they knew. <laughs> and the farmers us all started smiling at me and yeah. came up and told me after that they don't have six stomachs. No. Anyway, I can't remember the number of that either. If you're listening to this and you want to email me and let me know how many there is, that'd be fantastic. I'm pretty sure it's five. That's my guess. Really? You think so? I think so. What if it's four? It's anyway, four. <laughs> so what we see in the medical world is burn victims, mm-hmm. what they've done is they've actually taken the skin from the tilapia fish and they've put it over the burn. Mm. And then what happens over time is it gets a tilapia skin bandage, but then it, it heals up the skin and then grafts on and becomes you know, something where you can put skin, other right. people's skin on your skin and it becomes skin. Yeah, And that's really what we're talking about in the covenant. The covenant is there, mm-hmm. the covenant is for the Jews. <laughs> But then they've been added to it and and grafted in, so it's for all of them right. to experience. Well, and the point of grafting is,
2: is, is at some point you can't tell what is grafted in. You can't tell where oh that's where I inserted it, or that's where it was cut, or that's where it was added. That it it becomes um, part of
1: that mm-hmm. tree,
2: and you can't you can't distinguish between the old and the new.
1: That's right, and so. That's where you get back to the Old Testament passages where we were in Jeremiah, where he talked about one heart. Mm -hmm. You know, they'd be all of one. They wouldn't be separated. I mean, go and read John chapter 17 Mm -hmm. and look at all of the references to one and unity that come in that. Mm -hmm. You know, I and the Father, the Father in me, and you and, you know, all going through. You've got all this unity that's coming out. And the one thing that you'll have in common is Jesus Christ and his blood shed for you You won't look any different. You'll all be there. Mm -hmm. And uh, you'll be together. Ephesians chapter 2. And uh, let me start reading at verse 11. There's a a number of verses here. Uh, Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles, in the flesh, who are called the uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember That you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope without God in the world. You see, the Gentile was at one time without hope. Mm -hmm. They did not stand a chance uh, to stand before God and be considered righteous. But I love verse 13. It's like Ephesians chapter 2 has two huge contrasts, Mm -hmm. and they're they're life-changing contrasts. One, you formerly walked in the trespasses of your sin, but God. But God, yeah. You once were not a part of the covenant, and then verse 13, but now, Mm -hmm. in Christ, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. What's the commonality? It's Jesus shed blood. Blood. Mm-hmm. For he himself is our peace who made both groups into one and broke the barrier of the dividing wall. So this just even further proves that the new covenant isn't just for the Gentile. Mm-hmm. I will state that the majority... Of the people who are positioned in the new covenant right now are Gentile, mm-hmm. but that does not mean that it's not for the Jew. Yeah, it's for the Jew. The Gentile grafted in. There just happens to be way more Gentiles yeah. who are living within that new covenant than there are Jews mm-hmm. at this point. Uh, look how he broke down the dividing wall by abolishing his flesh, the em- enemy, enmity which is the law of commandments contained in the ordinances so that in himself he might make two into one new man and establishing peace that he would reconcile them both into one body to God through the cross by it having put to death enmity. So there's no longer war between the two, between Mm -hmm. Jew and Gentile, but they are one in the same through the blood of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. So because we are one in the same in Jesus Christ, everything changes yeah. within the new covenant. And that takes us to the book of Hebrews. Mm-hmm. And this is where you're going to want to join in with us as we do this podcast in starting in September uh, on the book of Hebrews. So first and foremost, we want to just give you a little bit of context of Hebrews it's all about the word better. Mm-hmm. It's better. Jesus is better. He's better than the angels. He's better than Melchizedek. He's better than the high priest. He is better than the old covenant. Mm-hmm. The The new covenant is better than the old covenant, which is Hebrews chapter 8 all the way through chapter 10. Mm-hmm. So why? That's what we want to ask now before we... Kind of wrap our time up. Why is Jesus in the new covenant better than the old covenant? And we have to go back to the old covenant and look at the role of the high priest. Mm-hmm.
2: And so uh, what you look at here is when you're looking at Hebrews, um, you know, it points you back to, to Exodus, to the time when Jesus or when God lays out all of the law, the ordinances, the, the rules, and then specifically around the building of the tabernacle, the roles and responsibility of the priests, uh, and specifically the high priest, Um, And and what what we have here in Hebrews is this pointing back, remember this, remember this, you know all of this stuff, but all of this was there for one reason, and that was uh, to point us to Jesus Christ. When we read about the building of the tabernacle, God says that he wants something that will allow him to dwell with his people, and so that's why the tabernacle is being built. Um, And then uh, Jesus accomplishes the very same thing as the tabernacle, that he allows Jesus to dwell with his people. And what we see in the, the role of the high priest is that the high priest is the one who does all of the work for the people. They bring their sacrifice and their offering but it is the priest who does all of the work of, of the sacrifice, of shedding the blood, of uh, burning the, the, the carcass and the meat. The priest takes the blood into um, the, the holy place and takes the incense and goes into the most holy place to stand before God on behalf of himself first and then on behalf of the people with the blood of their sacrifice. So people could not stand before God, that the the high priest is the one who had to go before God on their behalf.
1: What's interesting about the high priest is that he would go into the Holy of Holies once a year on the Day of Atonement. And when he would go in there, he would sacrifice uh, the blood on the mercy seat he would take the incense in there and he would give up a, an aroma to God and God would be present with him. But even that sacrifice that was made on the cross, and we know that the priest would do his daily sacrifices within uh, the outer court and into the, um, the tent of meeting area, but only once would he go in and it still would not be good enough every sacrifice that would be made. And I always, when I was preaching sermons, (coughs) excuse me, (coughs) when I was preaching sermons on the tabernacle, I would always uh, have a kind of a running illustration that, you know, say, um, Joe, which would not be a proper name Mm -hmm. for the tabernacle time, but Joe goes and he takes his offering and he gets to the gate and he brings the offering before the priest and the priest makes uh, sacrifice for the sins, and you know sends sends Joe on his way. And the moment he walks out the door, uh, he's stubbed his toe on his rock, and he's cursed God. Mm-hmm. And therefore, the whole process goes over again. And yet, never once was the 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 blood that was offered by the animal um, good enough mm-hmm. for God. And the difference now is that. Jesus, not only is he the high priest, but he's also the perfect sacrifice. Mm -hmm. So he now does, the difference between the high priest and Jesus is that the high priest would have to make uh, atonement for his own sin. Jesus did not have any sin, Mm -hmm. so therefore he's The better high priest, because he goes before God, holy and blameless, no sin, he doesn't have to make sacrifice for himself, and he goes and he makes that sacrifice, and that sacrifice of his own shed blood, Mm -hmm. which is the perfect shed blood, becomes the once and for all sacrifice Mm -hmm. for all time. Never again Does a priest have to walk through the process of the tabernacle to make atonement for sin because Jesus and his blood cover it all? Mm -hmm. So now when you think about the book of Hebrews and you walk through chapters 8, 9, and 10 and you see Jesus, the first covenant did this, but the better covenant Mm -hmm. is the one in Jesus and his blood because sin is removed uh, for all time mm-hmm. it's fantastic
2: yeah it 's a beautiful picture of of what Jesus actually does, and uh, we can as you study Hebrews, as you study Exodus, you see all of the work that the the high priest has to do over and over again. Um, but Hebrews again and again says Jesus once and for all make the sacrifice once and for all. His blood was better than, than bulls and goats. It was better than the sacrifice that had to be done over and over again. Um, and then when when Jesus did it, he was finished. He 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 did his work. And Hebrews says that uh, that after that work was done, he sat down. He didn't have to do that work anymore. But he sits down at the right hand of God a uh, place that is reserved for him and for him only. Uh, no one else gets to be at the right hand of the Father in heaven. And uh, what we had in the old covenant, the one who mediates, who goes before uh, before God on our behalf was this sinful high priest. Uh, but now we have Jesus Christ sitting at the right hand of God, uh, mediating the new covenant on our behalf. That when God looks upon us, Jesus says, this is one that has been covered um, by my blood and his sins have been uh, removed and forgiven. And so we can stand before God uh, with a new confidence, not in our ability to be living without sin, uh, but in our position as those who are now children, uh, sons of God and, uh, and heirs with Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah, What I love is in how Hebrews chapter 10 um, tells us about that confidence that you're talking about because he said, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he inaugurated, you know, he's the founder. Mm-hmm. Think about later in Hebrews where he's the author and the perfecter yeah. of our faith. Yeah. He inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. What did the high priest do on the day of atonement? He would walk through that veil in the tabernacle and he would go and stand before God and, mm-hmm. and, and the mercy seat. But now the, the veil is Jesus' flesh. We know from the book of Matthew that when Jesus died, the veil mm-hmm. in the temple was torn. And now he is the veil. So now we have a great high priest over the house of God And then the Hebrew's author says, Let us draw near with a sincere heart full of assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed away with pure water. Do you know, when I was on my flight to Israel last year, and I've seen it twice now, been to Israel Mm -hmm. twice, that um, you have the Orthodox Jews, and they're on the airplane, and they're going through... They're regular and I, I would call them religious rituals mm-hmm. at this time we pray at this time we bind we bind the word on our arm and we mm-hmm. go through these processes i've got my prayer shawl my prayer pillow my you know whatever it yeah. is and they keep going through all of this process and they're what they're doing is they're doing this outward showing of their righteousness and showing God their devotion but you know they can't keep that up mm-hmm. and uh, that's one thing that kind of always had me wondering and again I'm not a authority on this but how much of the religious or religiosity that mm-hmm. is being done is being done out of fear right, right. and done out of the very fact that If I don't do this, I'm breaking the law Mm -hmm. and I'm going to be judged. Mm -hmm. How different is it to go before God knowing that your sins have been forgiven, Mm -hmm. that there is no rules and regulations that you must compete or you will, you know, complete or you will face wrath Mm -hmm. because Jesus sits at the right hand of God and God looks down and Jesus said, he's mine. He's covered Mm -hmm. in my blood. That allows you and I to have way more confidence to go before a holy God. Mm -hmm. Imagine prayer, our prayer time, that when we go before a holy God, we can raise up our prayers to Mm -hmm. God and God will hear us. I mean, this changes everything in our personal relationships with, with the Lord in this new covenant. Think about the Catholic Church early on how they created fear um, in their parishioners wanting to read the Bible. Mm -hmm. They made it come across in a way that only the priest could even understand what God was saying in his word. Mm -hmm. What about now? We have ministries like Precept that teach people all over the world to study the Bible for themselves, Mm -hmm. that they can go into the scriptures Without fear yeah you know removing the religiosity and having the relationship is what the New covenant is all about mm-hmm.
2: yeah it's 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 amazing to see how uh, even from the very beginning that's that's how that was God's intention was to dwell with with us as his people we see that in creation we see that in the tabernacle and and ultimately we see that with with Jesus Christ. And then we see that in the end, that that's, that that's what's going to happen, is God will once again dwell with his people. There will be no more sin separating us from our God. Um, and uh, that's what the new covenant is all about, is, is bringing things back to the way that, that God had originally intended them to be.
1: I am so thankful that Jesus is the mediator mm-hmm. before God, mm-hmm. because there is no way... And I can say this confidently. There is no way that where I am in my life that I could mediate on my own behalf mm-hmm. before God. Yeah, I need Jesus, and I need yeah. Jesus to tell me, tell God that I'm covered in His blood. Mm-hmm. What I need to do and continually remind myself is that I have uh, been covered mm-hmm. by his blood. Yeah. The, the sins that uh, you know I've committed have been forgiven, mm-hmm. that I'm free from those things, that I'm not under bondage and, yeah. anymore. And that's one thing that we need to continually remind ourselves is our current position in Jesus Christ. And so I'm hoping that as you uh, go about your week after listening to this podcast, that you'll be reminded of the new covenant mm-hmm. One of the the fruits of the new covenant is confidence and assurance of position. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to our final week, Derek. I mm-hmm. can't believe it. Final week on podcast uh, in just a couple more weeks. Yeah. We'll be wrapping this up with our season finale. So why don't you close us in prayer? For sure.
2: Gracious God, we come before you again and we thank you once again for the opportunity we have to be in your word. Um, and as we look at... Uh, this new covenant that is is brought in through your Son Jesus Christ, we are so thankful and so grateful um, that that you have created a way that all people can be included in this new covenant. Um, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful passage in Ephesians where where your servant Paul tells us that uh, that we were once on the outside, but now we're inside; that we were once separated, but now we're brought together. Um, that we have been reconciled, that we have access to the spirit, that we're no longer strangers, that we are fellow citizens, um, that there is no, no difference between people who are in the new covenant and, uh, and that we get to take part in everything and all the promises that come in, in covenant uh, through, your, through the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. Uh, we're so thankful that you have done all of that work through your son for us so that, uh, so that we can stand before you um, as a child who is loved um, and not someone who is, uh, who is fearful, um, not someone who is, is always trying to just do the right thing to make you happy, um, but we are uh, living a life of obedience out of gratitude for what you have done for us. Gracious God, I ask that you will bless us as we uh, continue to study your word, and uh, we are so thankful for it. We pray this all in your son's holy name.
1: Amen.
0: Amen. For more information on Precept Ministries Canada, visit us online at www.preceptministries.ca or call us at 877-234-2030.